shining a beacon on the bazaar. Tell you what, I kid, it's nice, in it? What do you think, our new boat? Oh, wow, look at it. It's all fresh <laughs> and new, nicely painted. It looks smashing, doesn't yeah, it, our new boat? It's been a long time coming and all, hasn't it? Exactly, a lot of saving, mate. You get in, come on, it's all packed up. I've got everything, pal. Oh, fantastic, great stuff. I'll right, pin it up right, towards the back there. there go, let me push just push it off. Push it off. Oh, 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 it's fast, isn't it? Look at it. It's across the waves. Man, it's weird. Oh. No engine at all, and it's going this fast, oh, I see. great. So, um, so who gets to row first? Uh, I haven't afforded doors yet, Arky. It's next payment I get them, mate. What? Um, oh, well, that's a point. Oh, oh shit. no, mate. Um, oh, man, it's gone really hard. I don't know if I could swim for that one, Matt. Oh, well, like, we haven't even set the light going or anything like that. Oh, look, it's, it's getting distant in his land. Oh, um, my God, no. We're in deep waters here now. What about his hands? Can we do it with his hands? Well, let's give it a quick go. <laughs> You made it worse. Jesus, we're really in a drift now. Uh, oh, oh shit, I ain't got a phone or all. Well, we haven't got a lot of answers, have we? What we need to do, we need to get a little bit of information, I think. That's, oh, what, that's mate, what we need yeah. to do. Well, if, if I do a bit of casting, I might be able to find a little bit of information out to find out what we might do in a pickle like this. Well, I'll do a bit of story time, lovely. That's what we need, because this is Kraken Cove, the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar. And I'm Matt. And I'm Benny. And we're all at sea at the moment. Ah, you drift. We can't even say we're at Kraken Cove, because we're nowhere near it. Oh, God, see, see, no. <laughs> oh, dear me, we're in trouble now. We're in trouble. But let's see if a bit of casting can solve the problem. Yeah, I like ignoring a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Right, well... Seeing as we're the first boat out of the harbour today, anyway, <laughs> no, so this is the next boat out of the harbour. It's going to be this little story, right? And um looks like Elon Musk is serious about what do you, do you think he wants Looking to do? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> he wants to nuke Mars. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, oh I bet there's someone will give him a nuke and all that. Why does he want to do that? Oh, you're telling me he ain't already got one. Come yeah, on, it's Elon it's Musk, true, isn't it? Yeah. The yeah, it's a one. Yeah. <laughs> This is a story from Mike Wolf at www.space.com, right? And it says, Elon Musk seems serious about nuking Mars. The SpaceX billionaire founder and CEO teased the idea in 2015 during an appearance on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, explaining that vaporizing Mars' ice caps would be a good way to warm the planet enough for human colonists to live relatively comfortable. Right. I don't think it's that simple, is it? Ain't like fucking total recall or something, you know what I mean? Well, what he says is, right, he says, uh, Nuke Mars refers to a continuous stream of very low fallout nuclear fusion explosions above the atmosphere to create artificial suns. Right? So much like our sun, this would not cause Mars to become radioactive. Right. So it's basically what he's doing. He, he's, he's creating at both poles. They have like a, a, a rocket or a, a spaceship or a satellite up there, which would blast down the equivalent heat of like a sun, like our sun would yeah. warm, like warms ice or thing. So that's what it do. It just create warmth 
and, it, and the way it works, it, it flashes continuum. It's like it's almost like a beacon on a lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like flash, 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 flash. Oh, so loads and loads of nukes, not just one. Oh, it's just continuous like, nu nu low, low level nuclear um, radiation. That's what he's creating. Mini fusion explosions. Why don't you just get a fucking radiator or something? You know, pile that on away. Jobs are good. <laughs> Get in somewhere, big extension to work. <laughs> right, big extension, like, <laughs> fucking Johnson Gooden. Better than nuking it. Jesus, he thinks fucking crazy. Does that <laughs> Just done it. He completely fucking tapped. But, but in a weird way, it would work, I think. Has it got an atmosphere? Has it got... Yes, very it thin has, atmosphere. Yeah. Very thin atmosphere. That's the problem with Mars. It's like all this thing about um, oh, we, what we need to do. We need to colonise Mars. There's all this talk about colonising Mars. Why don't we just colonise Greenland? Yeah, yeah. Because although it's cold, really cold, yeah. uh, it's still not as cold as Mars. Yeah. And you've got water there, and you can just easily ship things in that you need. Yeah, yeah. But don't but do that. And green, have you seen how big Greenland is? Is it? Is it a whopper? It is absolutely... Vast, wow, it's empty. Yeah, it's, it's just this big empty space. Yeah. Which you, you could do something with it, um, but a lot e it's a lot easier to do things on gr to Greenland than it would be to go to Sol. Plus, it, you know, with a thin atmosphere, it could just melt all the ice and just shoot off into space. Like, oh, fuck it now. I, you know, I mean, be very careful with resources. Don't yeah. burn it up. Yeah, I think, up. I, th I think what the, well, the idea is of melting it into sort of vaporize it. It would turn into cloud. Then that cloud would falls rainfall and stuff, and these things that you can do release within the planet to create its own atmosphere. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest ones to do is actually create a lot of um, carbon emissions, so to create CO two, which yeah. we're doing. Now, if we were releasing too much CO two, if you release CO two into the atmosphere of like Mars, yeah. um, then you actually do get start to get like a proper decent atmosphere. It'll warm it up. It'll start to sort of come yeah. back to life. Yeah, I suppose it, you know, but they were a little bit more studying first, and they just yeah. fucking raining nukes down on it. it. It does seem weird. I don't know what the big thing about wanting to go live on Mars is anyway. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I just don't get this. Well, they'll do something to the moon first. You know, why don't they just go do some on moon for a bit? You know what I mean? Do some on moon for a bit. <laughs> At least we could watch. <laughs> yeah. uh, I agree, though. Yeah, we, we do, we do need to get our asses in gear as far as like traveling to the other. other other planets yeah. and stuff, you know. But I think there does seem to be a big push at the moment for all these spaceships going up. Yeah, like I said before, though, there's something that we're not really understanding about this, you know what I mean? Yeah, and totally. The resources, it's just paranoid that someone's going to, you know, like the Ruskies in America, they wanted to do it first just so they got the power from it, haven't they? No, definitely. You know what I mean? That's that's basically what he's saying. So, I mean, as far as like the... Uh, so, yeah, so he's all talking about not being radioactive. He says, so it's not risky, in my opinion, and, I can, and it can be adjusted, improved in real time. Essentially, need to figure out most of the effective way to convert mass to energy, as Mars is slightly too far from the solar system's fusion reactor, i.e., the Sun. And he said the idea would be to have a solar dirigible, right? Airships, so massive airships <laughs> up there, yeah, right, on the red planet to increase solar power and heat generation. And it's trickier than it may seem on Mars. An atmosphere density is 1% of that of Earth's, and gravity is 38% of ours. Okay. So that is almost no atmosphere at all, really, yeah. you know. Um, that would be our party. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> Musk aims to help humanity colonise Mars, and he has stressed repeatedly that he started SpaceX in 2002 primarily with this long-term goal in mind, and the company is now developing a space flight system to make it all happen. And it's... A 100-passenger spacecraft he's building called Starship. 
<laughs> right, and a huge rocket called the Super Heavy. Right. <laughs> Just like some of your girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Leave big T out of this. <laughs> And the re these reusable duo of spaceships could start operational launches as early as 2021. Jesus. So, I know that they've actually had this sort of like test uh, test launches of the Super Heavy. It's already done that. It looks amazing. Oh, that one that can like land back down on itself. That's right, it? yeah. So, they're talking, talking, we're not far off from crewed missions to Mars now. That's basically where we're So, at. he's going to start nuking it. Clouds will form. People are going to start planting stuff. It's all going to be green. He's going to go over there with a starship and they're going to find Spock. Now <laughs> <laughs> the movie went. <laughs> I think it was actually, yeah. But no, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good idea. We've got so much shit going on at the moment. Yeah. I think that's going to be sort of shuffle that to the bottom up pile. Exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you know, there's no thought of aggro. Sort your own men are out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he needs to do. To be honest, he just he needs to reel his neck in and sort of like, yeah, you know, look at yeah. something a bit more. Important. I love that they're doing stuff like space news. is just ace and it's wild. It's I love stuff space in it. News. Yeah, I yeah. love me some space like, news. Like 10, 15 years ago, you just think nothing is happening at all. A couple of robots going there and stuff, but yeah. now. Nasty, yeah. yeah. So go, go on, go for gold, Elon. I yeah, go and get your nukes out yeah, and bomb yeah. Mars. <laughs> see what a lot more important than nuking Mars is this little project, right, which is NASA sends squid from Hawaii into space for research. <laughs> like from Hawaii yeah, as well, you know, well. Hawaiian squid. Yeah. Hola. And this is from AP News, is this story. And it's the baby Hawaiian bobtail squid were raised at the University of Hawaii's Kawalo Marine Laboratory and were blasted into space early this month on a SpaceX mission, mm. right? So to the International Space Station. And researcher Jamie Foster, who completed her doctorate at the University of Hawaii, lucky gig, you know, is studying how space flight affects the squid in hopes of bolstering human health during long space missions. The Honolulu Star Advertiser reported on Monday. Wow. That's a newspaper on a room. So it says, apparently the squid have a symbiotic relationship with natural bacteria that help regulate their bioluminescence. It's yeah. a bit of a weird thing, right? So when astronauts are in low gravity, their body's relationship with microbes changes, said the University of Hawaii professor Margaret McFaulney, <laughs> who Foster studied under in the 1990s. So we have found that the symbiosis of humans with their microbes is perturbed in microgravity. And Jamie is shown that it's true in squid. And because of it's a simple system, she can get to the bottom of what's going wrong. So you can see what's going to happen with a squid. You know mm. what I mean? But what's going wrong with those eggs? I know like your muscle mass goes really down in space. But you get a bit fungi-ish or something. Well, that's it. Yeah, or your fungus isn't working right on your body. Well, this is what we go on and say. So Foster says, as astronauts spend more and more time in space, their immune systems become what's called dysregulated. Well, right. And it doesn't function as well. And their immune systems don't recognise bacteria as easily. And they sometimes get sick. Wow, what the fuck that is? Because you're really just in a... You know, would that happen on Earth if you're in weightless gravity in a sealed room? I don't know. I think, I think our 
our, our entire systems, you know what I mean? It's like we rely, our bodies rely on gravity to love, sort of like, yeah. you know, because the food goes in through the top, falls out of your bottom. <laughs> yeah, it's true, <laughs> and it is gravity, isn't it? Lipstick, yeah, that's, yeah, it's kind of shunted through. There's yeah. musculature does it as well. Yeah, yeah. But I think this, it must be the fact that your entire system is suddenly in a, an atmosphere after a while, which is, it shouldn't be in. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't shit upside down. If you had to stand in the head and shit, <laughs> I couldn't do that. <laughs> Give it a whirl. <laughs> You know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> you think I got this lands well? <laughs> but no, see, so, yeah, I mean, apparently it's really bad in, in space anyway, it's taking a shit and all this yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. There's even footage in there where this big lump of turd has got free. Oh no. In, in one of the early space missions, oh, and you can hear the conversation going, oh my god, whose is this? And it's like, you know, oh, it's, oh. I'm sure it's Steve's sort of thing. You know? <laughs> and you wouldn't, you'd have thought, well, anything floating around inside a spaceship's going to be dangerous. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? Lump of dookie, no way. Yeah, hey. and, and apparently, it's, there's just shit floating around all over. The, the scruffy gets their astronauts. They? They're not a human shit floating yeah. around all over the place, but it's easily done. Of MMs, there's always MMs about, isn't there? Yeah, there's always eating them out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Big blob of water floating around. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> but I mean, I just think, what? how are they going to have the squid react anyway? Because the squid, when they're up there, surely they're already buoyant in water. Yeah. So if they're already floating around in water, there's no difference between floating around in water and floating around in space, is there? Unless there is some kind of like space bacteria that gets everywhere, because I've heard you can smell it you, when you get up there. You can. I've it's like the that. moon, actually. Is that's the one. Violets, or something yeah. like that. It's got a weird... gunpowder. I've heard the moon ah. smells of gunpowder. Really oh. like weird gunpowder smell. Um, and then space smells like something else. And maybe that it just soaks in some fucking space lurgy or something. I mean, a lot of people that did they do think that certain diseases come from space. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah that'd be far. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and that's that's sort of thing, but I mean, I don't, I don't know if they are or not. If there's enough stuff down here, you know. Yeah, to, well, well, monkey down here. <laughs> <laughs> Some horrible fucking puddle in fucking Asia or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's the fuck's in that? I'm not drinking that. <laughs> Mosquitoes <laughs> belly full of worms. In, yeah. <laughs> but no, so I, but I don't know what they're going to study for for the squid. I don't know how the squid's going to sort of react. Just fucking pocket with a pencil. Or these ones are sort of special the, the, the tiny animals are plentiful in the Hawaii these little bobtail squids yeah. right? and they're about three inches long when as adults Oh. So I don't know what's going to happen. They're going to bring him back up. They don't just sort of flush them all out. <laughs> yeah, just come out of the window. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing. Is it? How many speed different species have been up there now? So we've had sort of dogs, monkeys, cats. Humans. Was it cats? Yeah. They had oh. the tardigrades. Remember the accident? The Chinese accidentally launched. You know the little um, what they call what? Oh, you piglets. did mention them. Yeah, yeah. they've accidentally yeah. crashed them on the moon. <laughs> what piglets? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tardigrades on the moon now. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's the second creature to be on the moon. Christ. Well, I wonder what else you could be like. All sorts, all sorts of things as, as well. Uh, our, I was uh, looking at things today about like uh, the Russian space missions. And yeah, stuff, you yeah. Know. Loads and loads of missions that went on before sort of Yuri Gagarin. There was loads oh, of stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's like... You know, Have you ever heard that lady? That yeah. lady burning up? Oh my God, it's that's worst, awful. Isn't it? So for those of you, if you don't know, it's basically it's a recorded footage of a conversation between a, of a female astronaut and she's basically saying, I'm getting hot, I'm getting hot, is this normal? It's, 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 it's dangerous, it feels dangerous. Yeah. And basically what was happening, she was re-entering the atmosphere at the wrong angle in a, in a Russian... Sp she was meant to be the first woman in space uh, and she just fried. So she was the first woman in space, but because it was a fail, she died. And so they kept the Russian, it hidden, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, kept it all hidden. Yeah, there's, there's loads of these. And there was somebody who managed to... Um, I can't remember his name now, but he did manage to sort of like... 
go into space and he did sort of done like two or three circuits of, of basically did what Yuri Gagarin did yeah, yeah. he did it first wow full orbits and that but the way that the Russians do it or their, their method was they'd, they'd be in a capsule yeah um the atmosphere that, that capsule would come through the Earth's atmosphere, and then the astronaut had to bail out. Shit! That's what they had to do. They had to jump out. Right? <laughs> Fuck! After that big, yeah. your legs are fucked out after a big voyage. You can't yeah. be jumping out. <laughs> See, yeah, that's what you have to do. You have to jump out. Jesus! Parachute to Earth. <laughs> um, well, that's the reason as well why the Russians had that mad gun. Remember? Oh the, yeah, episode, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It'd take any ammunition it to work as yeah. an axe. It could kill a bear. Yeah, all man. sorts of shit. You know what I mean? So that's why. They have that device with them because basically the parachute they're not like it's not like a hide in the space parachute bailing out of it yeah Crikey. but that guy the first i can't remember again i can't remember his name but that first astronaut went went and did a circuit of the, of the earth about three times on the earth yeah. tried to re-enter the atmosphere something went wrong he fell unconscious oh. had to stay in the ship because of course he can't get out crashed and survived uh. so but apparently what happened to him was they uh, they were just kept hush hush in a hospital like you know he didn't yeah. happen no he didn't happen because he's not conscious and basically hid him in China for a long term oh. convalescence he was sort of I think he was heard of again but he wasn't like disappearing wow but the first human being to actually sort of like yeah I never heard that one that's yeah, fascinating yeah, the and he did proper live through it but they just thought well it sounds shit let's just get you yeah yeah there. yeah because like, cool. I think they chose Yuri nearly at end just because he was like half good looking and a bit of charisma to him oh you know? yeah that's it you know but yeah. I mean it's like any of them I think every every candidate they had had that kind of charisma, yeah, yeah. Um, because they knew this, if it worked, they were going to have to be like a, a poster boy Massively. or a woman, yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, kind of like that. Buzz Aldrin's my favourite though. I love him, man. He's well <laughs> funny when he starts knocking them all out. That's <laughs> why anyone as soon as look at him. I'd be in a goddamn mood. Does <laughs> <laughs> it barkeep? Fuck you. <laughs> Give me panda eye. Blocked by a space man. <laughs> Now he's an absolutely barky mad new star. Oh, this baby, this, yeah. This, this really <laughs> got me right. This is BBC News, right? And this is an Athens priest is arrested for acid attack on bishops. Whoa, on bishops? Bishops. Whoa, right. he's a serial acid thrower. So a priest has been arrested in Athens after he threw acid on seven bishops of the Shit. Greek Orthodox Church. Wow. You what, do you have a super soaker? How's he doing these? The attack took place during a disciplinary hearing against the 36-year-old priest on Wednesday afternoon, right? So three bishops have been treated in hospital for burns, mostly on their faces. Uh. And the policeman who ran to help the bishops, <laughs> the handy bishop kicking about, <laughs> was also taken to hospital, right? And the suspect, a priest who risked being expelled from the church, was accused of being involved in drug trafficking. Jesus. This guy's an absolute loon, isn't he? Man. <laughs> so the bishops were meeting to dis discuss defrocking him, right? Which is, <laughs> <laughs> <I bet. laughs> which is stripping him of his priesthood, right? Yeah. And after he was allegedly discovered to be in possession of 1.8 grams of cocaine. What on him just there goes at discipline all cooked up. I, I think they'd, they'd already discovered right, it on him, and so yeah. they're on about saying, well, we can't really have this, right? Anyway, this guy rocks up, right, with a large bottle of corrosive liquid. 
and the guard who managed to catch the priest at the gate of the monastery also suffered burns. So basically, he knew he was going to get in trouble, right? So rather than thinking, oh, fucking hell, I'm, the, the, the game's up here, he basically just turns up with a big bottle of acid. Only two litre bottle of acid, and starts spraying it, And really? just starts spraying it around like Ooh. a complete barn pot. Jesus. I mean, can you imagine that? I can't. I'd love to see it. Well, that's what I'm going to say. Ooh, the scenes there. Oh, man. I hope he's still all frocked up and that. That's it. All it, cooked it, up nose, all jolly nose and that. Like, it's, like an 18, <laughs> it's like an 18 certificate Father Ted, yeah. <laughs> so they'll all right. be there, sort of kicking about, thinking, oh, I'm going to have to get rid of this guy. Oh, he's here now, anyway. What? <laughs> <laughs> My eyes, I cannot see. Smoke pouring off of these bishops as they're running around. I'll tell you what, though, I keep listening and reading, and all together, fucking priests and bishops and popes are all fucking wrong uns, are they? Absolutely. Is it the priest roots? All Nazis got out on the priest roots. You know, there's like certain. There was, yeah. You know what I mean? Like the fucking. Rat lines. Yeah, that's it. You think you dirty bastards. Right in the middle of the Second World War, but they were like full Hitler mustache pope, wasn't it? Well, this is the thing why um, during the Second World War, Wall, they, he, uh, the Pope himself at the time sort of said that he was sort of standing staying on the bench you know, and yeah. remaining neutral and the argument at the time was to say if he if he did denounce sort of the Nazis then they would bring down the church they'd yeah, sort of yeah. just destroy the church um, but the other sort of line of thinking was that they kind of supported what the, what the Nazis were doing quite a lot of photo opportunities and you know, like say we're looking at pressing it just seems like they were full support when they were in Italy yeah well it wasn't full support because the Pope did visit the Allies yeah. uh, and he visited the, visited the Allies in Africa right Right. and when he was in Africa the way they, they didn't have Pope at the time they had what's called a beer yeah. which is like a, 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 like a, like a it's basically like a, like a little hook on, on poles that people oh, carried, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. you know. Yeah. And he was carried by the troops in Africa through, right? Wow. Um, and one of the troops who carried him was our granddad. Jesus wept! Yeah, Old our Cooney! Yeah. <laughs> He's carried a Pope. Wow, you're joking! No, no, he carried That's a Pope. That's mental. Because he was Catholic, and what many Catholic forces. Um, yeah. An Irish Catholic, he carried a Pope. Wow, that's mental. I bet full of drugs anyway, you know what I mean? Another <laughs> drug smuggler. <laughs> But you know, it's, it's sort of, it's, it is absolutely bizarre the fact, but those rat lines that they used to get the, yeah. get the Germans out of sort of like uh, out of the country at the time, um, because the big, big threat, it was almost the Catholics saw it as two big threats. The biggest threat to them was communism, yeah. which just destroyed all religion. Yeah, yeah. Or you could have like uh, the Nazis and stuff who might sort of support, you know. God, it's just political shit. Yeah, and, so even that, and even to a certain extent, were the Catholics quite glad that they killed a lot of Jews? Mm, yeah, they killed Jesus. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Tit for tat. Oh, yeah. oh man, it's just bizarre, isn't it? It's yeah. crazy. It is really bizarre, you know what I mean? But it's like... I mean, what a scene. The idea that anybody would get in the red, it's okay to go around and chuck some acid into someone else's mm, face. It's sick, for dark, it? dark, yeah, yeah. Really, really nasty. Even problem. if you had a little knife or something, it's not as bad as acid, I don't think. No, and I think as well, it, 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 case if that's what you do to somebody, I'm not a big one eye for an eye, two for two. Yeah, yeah. But if you've done that to somebody and you are saying sort of thing, you weren't yeah. just going to complain yeah, yeah. break a mentality. Get a big gold in your own face. That's yeah, massively. Yeah, massively. Yeah. Just, yeah. just give him a big old splash of that. Exactly. Can I wear some goggles? He's like, if you stripe someone, give him one across chops or something, all right, you get a lot of stitches and a, a, a kind of cool scar and that, you know what I mean? But 
fucking all blinded it, all going in your mouth and shit. Oh god, no. Oh man, it's like out of fucking Robocop in it, you know, yeah. it's all like melting and that. Like, oh, <laughs> Robocop. <laughs> Robo Bishop. <laughs> Robo Pete. <laughs> I couldn't really get my head around this, right? <laughs> well, you got a little chance with me, son. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what you think about this, right? So there's Julia Yonkowski was drawing out cash, right, from the cash point. When she realised there was a bit of a blunder, Ooh. and instead of being sort of like, you know, a low amount of money in a bank account that she thought it was going to be, right, she discovered there was 999 million, 985 1,855 pounds and 94 pence. Oh, oh, this is sorry, in dollars, right? Yeah. Which was the equivalent of nearly 720 million pounds ah. was in her bank account. Oh my god. Right? This is a story from Dave Burke for the Daily Mirror, right? And so this is her, uh, Julie was from Largo in Florida. Uh, I had no idea that she was a, suddenly the 615th richest person in America, <laughs> <laughs> right? And he's desperate to return the massive amount of cash. Desperate to return. There you go. Desperate to return you. But she said no one from her bank is returning her calls despite her desperation to get rid of the money. She wants to get rid of the money. Oh she's got 720 God. million quid and she's desperate to get rid Just of it. Just keep quiet for a year and reap in the bloody interest if you get Oh, oh can you imagine that, right? back if you got her. So Julia told WFLA, right? Oh my God, I was horrified. I know most people would think they'd won the lottery, but I was horrified. When I put in for $20, the machine came back and said, we'll give you the $20, but that'll cause an overdraft, and you will be charged. And I said, oh, just forget it. But when she checked her balance, she had a massive shock. Julia said, I know I've read stories about people who took the money or took out the money, and then they had to repay it. And I wouldn't do that anyway because it's not my money. Right? And so she's basically got $720 million. Or $720 million just sat in her account. And nobody's doing anything about it. Except for her telling the fucking world. Oh, no. Oh. Let's go kidnap her. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll just say it's mine. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really sorry about this. I work for the bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, but thing is, though, if the bank, if the machines told her, that if she draws out $20, she'll go overdrawn. Yeah. Yet the balance is 720 million quid. Do you think she can access it anyway? Is it just a number that sits there looking mental? You can go inside the bank, don't you? And say, I want a mill. I've got a car to buy, you know what I mean? Give me a mill. Yeah. Or transfer it to another bank account. That's good. Ah, bank account! <laughs> <laughs> the Dragon Co. bank account! <laughs> yes, please. Well, there's no point anymore, not with us bobbing around out here. Oh, in the middle true, of it, yeah. Yeah. Still, I'll swim home, mate. I'll get that rope in my teeth, I'll bring you back with me. We'll be doing that soon if <laughs> oh, I'm God careful. <laughs> oh. oh, man, no, but I got that kind of money. Yeah, it would be a worry, but God, grief, wouldn't be great to spend that. Oh, mate. First purchase, what do you think? I don't know why an elephant came in my head at all. Why did that last staple of marshmallow? All I could see were a big blue elephant. I was like, I don't want one. <laughs> cleaning up after it. First uh, purchase elephant. Don't know. 
I think I'd like me on that island. That'd be nice. With 720 million quid, you could buy an island, couldn't oh, you? Oh, man, kit it out. Yeah, but it's all very well and good, this being like our crack and cove. Yeah, sort of yeah. It's not, it's not really ours, is it? It's yeah, worth exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. There's all. Oh, own lighthouse. There's own lighthouse. Could really be big, fancy one. Be really flash one. Yeah, really loads like. of lights and loads of lights. Loads of lights. With one said, there's one big one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it covered in lights. <laughs> <laughs> See me from space. <laughs> well, what would you buy? Oh, you're on iron. Yeah, that's how we're discussing. That's what we're discussing. Hey. Well, maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to have a quick well, uh, word with uh, Julia Jonkowski. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you know, you can bottle her up. Yeah. Well. like a little gigolo. <laughs> hey, little baby. <laughs> Stick to sort of like maybe a bit of another little bit of a crime story there. So Ooh, we've, had yeah. the, we've had the we've had the sort of the acid attack priest. Yeah, we've had yeah. a woman there who's tempted to take seven hundred twenty million quid, but it's not not <laughs> getting anywhere. But this is a this is a different one. This is a murder. Oh, I love a murder. I don't think it sounds bad, but I love yeah. mysteries and murders and stuff. No, it's um, does it need solving? Kind of. No. 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 It kind of <laughs> it's kind of kind of worked already. You see, because there's um. There's a guy called Shabazz Khan, right? Khan! Stop, the Wrath of Khan. Sorry, William Shatner. Big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've seen it. Have you? It's a classic, man. <laughs> wow. I don't know about a classic. It is a classic. Ask anybody. Because everybody says, yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, man. Classic. Everybody says, like, Star Trek, Star Trek, but the Wrath of Khan, fucking hell. Classic. Oh, right. Well, I'll take your word. Mate, and I saw that. Cinema as a kid, it fucking shat me up, man. Those oh. fucking ear things going in. Oh, mate. It's, it's an ace film. I'll give that word. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is different. This is Shabazz Khan. Right. right. <laughs> now, he's on trial in Lancashire, England for murdering two women and setting fire to their Burnley home, right? A home where his lawyer claimed in court that a gin took possession of him and made him commit the heinous crime. So that's a genie in it, a gin. A gin is, well, that's we call it a genie, but it's actually, yeah. that's it's a gin. I mean, it's the weird thing is with like a lot of Eastern countries who believe in sort of like a, the Arabia kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, they believe absolutely that gin are real. They don't yeah. sort of think, oh, they don't, maybe they are, maybe they're not. There's loads of different types, isn't there? Just like one in a bottle or something. Oh, no, like. no, that's it. It's, 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 you know, this. They say as well that they apparently this sort of theory is that they just live and breathe and um, are just like we are. Wow. They, do, they, they have kids, they can be, and they, in certain circumstances, they can be like amongst us. It's almost like they're in a parallel dimension. Yeah, yeah. And cool. they are, I believe, if I'm right, they're seen as creatures of fire. Ooh. So like an elemental spirit, yeah. um, but they're like I say they're just doing a bit, these things that you shouldn't do. Apparently, it's like I think it's like you're standing in shadow beneath a tree. Got to be careful because a gin might. Get There's loads of rules as to what might happen if you get all those circumstances, you know. And even then, you might meet somebody and they're sort of causing a bit of monkey business and stuff. Yeah. And that they are a gin, you know. Obviously, I've done monkey business when I've been on the gin. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so it says, um, it, it, so uh, Shabazz Khan, defendant, who was accused of murdering Dr. Saman Mir Sajjad and her daughter, Vian Margiel, on October 1st, 2020, claimed it was not him, but a 620-year-old jinn named Robert Smith Wood. 
Right. Oh, what? Yeah. Claims Robert, it's Jim Smith. Robert Smith Wood. Weird. Who killed the woman in their home where Khan had frequently visited, visited Dr. Saman. He alleged that Robert also lived in the home, as did another gin named Rita. <laughs> and Bob too. Yeah. Evil. Well, that's a weird thing. Robert Smith Wood, Rob Bob. Bob. Yes. <laughs> So Khan claimed Dr. Saman was aware of both Jin and had complained to him that Robert had moved a table and broken a mirror out of anger over modifications to the part of the house he occupied. Khan visited the house because Dr. Saman hired him to do repairs and garage conversion, but it's not clear that he also performed the remodeling that allegedly upset the Jin. So he's basically handyman is this guy, he's doing a bit of work around the house, all sorts of stuff, right? Next thing you know, he's kicked off and he's fucking killed them both and set fire to the house. So that seems a bit, a bit of a weird thing to do in the first place, you know. <laughs> the prosecution told the court that Khan was its prime murder suspect because CCTV footage showed him the day before visiting the home. A search of his own home found a bag containing items of gold jewellery belonging to Dr. Saman. Hello. Yeah, that's it. So basically, he, he, he has thieved him. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's, he has thieved him, murdered him, um, and then set fire to the house. Oh, come out with a right bullshit story. Yeah, come with a bullshit story. I mean, I think anybody else, I think that's a stupid thing to say anyway, because here, nobody's going to turn around and say, yes, a genie did do it. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not, because if you, if you, if you try that on, you say, a genie made me do it. Yeah. You think you'd... No, mate, don't work like that. So that is the bizarre point of it, isn't it? One, that he's not, you know, he's working on the house. So you, you kind of think, neighbours must have seen me, Van must have seen me. Yeah. It's just a... It seems like to me he's been in knicker drawer or something. He's got alt gold, got caught, <laughs> been <in> the <laughs> and he's panicked and fucking leathered him, and he's got out of van, killed him, set fire, he's trying to cover his tracks, and then come out with a bullshit story, and it. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's what it is. But I wonder though if, you, if, you, if this had happened in another country that where the the gin are sort of seen as yeah. well. I wonder if that's a sort of a valid defence. Yeah, he could get away with it. Well, maybe you know, you just swap gin for ghost, and it's full possession, isn't it? Amateurville style. Yeah. I don't know if you'd class Jin as a ghost, really. You know, I mean, or then again, maybe well, with ghost. that name, he ain't a fucking genie. With what's his name? Robert Bloody Smith or Robert something. Robert Smith Wood. Fucking Rita. <laughs> 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 They're not Jin. He could have made up better names, couldn't he? I know. It's, it's weird, but then again, I suppose if Jin are real and they are here, they would have our names. They wouldn't have sort of like. Would uh, they have our names? Maybe not, actually, I don't know. Fucking Rita, Jesus. <laughs> it's an horrible name, isn't it? That slaggy old woman name is Rita. <laughs> it was called Rita. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Oh, I'm not saying it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but no, you see, it's... it's, it's <laughs> I think I don't know you see because what you could be calling ghosts and everything like that and other creatures you know for example like you've got like a lot of it in Iceland and places like this yeah. where they believe in these other people you know they sort yeah. of uh, um, and as a result of that they sort of say you know oh you don't move this rock or don't move, don't move this thing or because this, the, this spirit will be angry yeah. it seems like we've got these spirits or this belief in these same spirits to one degree or another yeah. either a stronger or lesser degree you know across the planet I think even I know you could bring UFOs into it again you know that bit with parallel universes just slipping next to yeah. each other and sometimes popping out like say with strange places and yeah. high strangeness and stuff I think it's well believable is all that sort of stuff because you do actually see not proof but you do yeah. some evidence about it it's, it's proof that there's something 
alternative out there. Like yeah, I said, yeah. like the whole thing with dark matter or something. You know, you, yeah. there is there is another area where something is that we can't detect, mm. which is basically all what another realm is, isn't it? Yeah, so it's yeah. something that's there that we can't detect. Even going out to you know, like um, you know, like a two D thing looking at a three D thing. You know, you don't a two D thing can't see it, can it? No, you know no, what I mean, yeah. it sees it all very strangely, like the lines of it, not the whole of it. So it's us looking at a 4D, you know what I mean, yeah, like a fourth dimension. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. It's, it is it very, very strange, but it does seem like this. It, it's one of these things that I always find a massive coincidence that there's so many beliefs in one spirit or something different, something out there, like a bit of a ghost or a gin or a pixie or a fairy or a, whatever you want to call it. Everybody believes in all these things culturally from way back. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, like the dragons, dragons, and every, every, you know, everyone believes in dragons, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, or, or sorry, should I say? There's a dragon in everybody's culture. Yeah, yeah. You know? And you think, well, where are they then? Exactly. I think just dinosaurs, anyway. They dig up a big bone. Oh, fuck's that? It's a fucking dragon or something. <laughs> well, they didn't believe that they believed there were bones of giant people. Oh, right. That's what they always thought with dinosaur bones. They'd dig up a big dinosaur bone and they'd sort of say, oh, it's just a giant because they wow. lived there. The thought that were it's the Nephilim. Yeah. They yeah. thought they were digging up the bones of these giants who strode the planet wow. sort of from, from way back, you know. God. So it's pretty weird, isn't it? Flying you know? dragons, reet up back of it. <laughs> 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 right, carry on. <laughs> I suppose a bit of another slightly crimey one, but in a way, but it's a way to sort of avoid a crime or stop a crime, as you know, sort of saying now to sort of change the law a little bit, right? And a government minister hopes cannibalism at sea is no longer needed thanks to new technology. <laughs> <laughs> no longer needed. Yeah. Right, yeah. So it's an odd way to say yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's the, you know, that's a bit of a weird way of wording it, isn't it? You know. So this is a Sky News story. And it says, modern-day technology should prevent stranded sailors from resorting to cannibalism, a government minister hopes. So Charlotte Baroness Veer of Norberton, a conservative frontbencher in the House of Lords and minister at the Department of Transport, gave the view after being pressed on the matter while discussing human rights at sea. Odd conversation. Yeah. The conversation in the upper chamber rose after another member raised the odd legal precedent set in the late 19th century. It sounds like you're ready to do some cannibalism beyond <laughs> the legal. <laughs> it harkens back to 1884, when Captain Tom Dudley and mate Edwin Stevens were stranded at sea in a lifeboat following a shipwreck in the South Atlantic off the coast of Africa. The cabin boy, Richard Parker, was with the pair, and according to the sailors, in poor health. I bet. So following several weeks trapped on the insignificant and unprovisioned vessel with their colleague close to death, Dudley and Stevens took the steps to kill and eat him in order to fend off starvation. Oh, God. And after being rescued and returned to the UK, the pair justified their actions as a custom of the sea <laughs> and hoped to avoid conviction. So, however, this was rejected and both men were subsequently convicted of murder and sentenced to death. Wow. Although this was later commuted to a six-month prison sentence. <laughs> a bit of a different. I know, it was a bit of a swerve, Jesus. I think what it was, they sort of re-looked at it, and I think because there was many, many cases at the time of cannibalism yeah. seen under these circumstances. Yeah. It's a dull thing, it has happened. It has happened like, quite a lot, You'd yeah. have to look back at other cases, wouldn't you, yeah, really? Yeah, you would, so. you know, but I think this is sort of... Up. Maybe it's because of putting a load of weight at yeah. <laughs> The thing is, though, you ain't got no pots and pans on a life 
bought, have you? You know what I mean? You haven't got a little fire. Are you just munching them raw? Well, I think I think what you'd probably do um, is, if it was up to me, yeah. and I were doing such a horrible thing, the <laughs> first thing you'd have to do to kill him is, it makes sense off, but you'd have to catch, catch the blood, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd want to be drinking the blood first. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be a messy affair. So I'm, I'm, oh. I'm guessing they'll have a knife, won't they? Yeah, they'll yeah. have a knife on board. So, and then in a boat, maybe they'll have a little bucket or something like that for bailing out. Yeah, so they might be yeah. able to do that. You catch it in your hands, right yeah. from sauce. Oh, can you imagine that? The mess. You wouldn't be able to look your mate in the eyes, though, would you? <laughs> You'd guzzling away on the wrist or something, oh. you know? And I think then what I do is you, this is awful, but I'd, use, <laughs> I'd cut strips and sort of dry it. Oh, so that like a sun. jerky, yeah. I'd tuck straight into arse or something, big wobbly arse. Give me a fucking liver. Oh. Well, you would, you'd eat the liver first. Yeah, yeah. You'd, eat the, you'd go for the soft bits first. Oh, Jesus, that's minging, isn't it? Oh, imagine <laughs> stay. <laughs> fucking hell. You'd Proper bloodbath. He's all opened up. So we all chunks everywhere. And it's, you'd have to chop head off and leg it away or something, wouldn't you? you, would yeah, like... would you would it be the thing, though? Would you would you waste anything? I'd tuck into eyeballs. They've got a bit oh, of water in them. No, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. That's I'll have them, I'll have them both. <laughs> You might be having mine in the corner of like I'm looking at you differently now. <laughs> like a fucking pat lunch, you know. <laughs> Sucking out my eyes. What are you doing? Casting you. I'm going to have to resort to some of those. I'm just drawing lots to see. Who's eyeball? Can you imagine tussle us two fighting in boats? We don't left up both, though. We're fuck it all. Rolling round. <laughs> Each other's dicks, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't need much there for me. I've got three cost meals. What dog? <laughs> but no, so it's like um so but the case set a precedent in common law that necessity is not a defence when charged with murder. So back in the mm. present day, non affiliated peer, Lord Mackenzie of Framwellgate said I recall as a young student a law many years ago, the case of Dudley and Stevens in the late 19th century. And this involved a shipwreck causing a number of sailors taking to a lifeboat, and as a result of hunger and thirst, they alleged that it was necessary to kill and eat a young cabin boy in order to survive. <laughs> a cabin boy. <laughs> and he, he asked, does the minister think that if the facts were repeated today, the cabin boy's human right to life would still trump those of the starving sailors. So that's where Lady Veo sort of responded by saying, with modern standards for lifeboats and a search and rescue, I would very much hope that situation would not arise today. The shipwrecked seafarers would be rescued long before any decision would need to be taken who to eat. Oh, that's a bit of bollocks. Maybe in England, but not in like some, I don't know, Asian fishing boat in the middle of nowhere you know what I mean anything could happen on that of oh, course I mean? it could you know I think there's, there's, a, there's a very I think it's a very naive attitude to take you know that's what's happened in seafaring yeah. no there's, there's, there's absolutely mad yeah. mad things are happening at sea all the time exactly and it's like the size of the, the yeah. ocean we can't comprehend the size yeah. of it you can't I find can't. people you yeah, can't find yeah. people who go missing in the sea yeah. like that you know, it's, it's alright with GPS and all that with it all balls is up or you ain't got it in the boat you yeah. know, something goes wrong you know it's just fine I mean, I've, I've seen sort of like some of these TV shows where they're trying to do search and rescue for somebody out in, just in the North Sea yeah yeah. and they're like a mile offshore and it's still this immeasurable wow. vastness of the sea yeah. yet when you're talking about like the Pacific or the Atlantic you know they, it's, you know fine 
Yeah. Yeah. Billy Bonk Bonks, you're yeah, not going to yeah. find, you know. And even if you find them on raid, I'd get into them. It's yeah. not a quick struggle, you know what I mean? Yeah, let's face it, I mean, nobody's been coming looking for us yet, have they? Oh, yeah. true. <laughs> <We're still laughs> I'm getting a bit rumbly tumbly there. Can you hear me belly going already? Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, I'm going back to it though. I'd say to Cabin Boy, right, you, I'll get hold of your feet, get me a fucking fish, I'm going to eat your face, you know what I mean? I'll dangle him off, you know what I mean? He can try and grab some. I think they've probably been doing a little bit of fishing. They've been there for several weeks already, yeah. and they've probably been trying to grab the fishies. Like, give me a finger. Let me have a finger. I won't eat you all if we get a fish, but I need a finger for bait. <laughs> I think you'd probably use Dookie, wouldn't you? Oh, you'd yeah. probably do a big dump or something like that. You might run out of that quick, though, aren't you? Yeah, there's been none of that left. Mm -hmm. God, what horrible thought. It is really horrible, isn't it? Oh, those ones are they start eating the leather shoes and stuff yeah, in it. You know what I mean? Boots, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, it must be yeah. Oh, oh, I'm getting more hungry <laughs> now. It's getting a bit choppy oh, out I'm here. I'm just gonna sit towards the back of the yeah. door. There we go. Oh, <laughs> all I'm seeing you keep blinking like a massive turkey. Then I blink back, <laughs> it's you again. <laughs> Everything's a lot like a massive turkey. Best of time. breakfast now in Africa. <laughs> Seems like we haven't got an awful lot of choice but to stay at sea now, do we? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> we're stuck with it, our kid. So let's uh, let's let's keep the casting at sea as well, Ooh. right? So we've got a little bit of a callback for you. All right. Right. So this is this is called Kamikaze Exploration, Irish style. Why oh, ringing a bell? Yeah. Yeah. So this is by an author called Beachcombing, right? Um, and it's his bizarre history blog for Strange History Right. And it says. An entry from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles for 891 claims that in that year, three Irish men set out from Ireland in a boat. Oh, go on. An everyday event, you might think. But what made their voyage special was that three travelled without oars. Oh, right? my God. In effect, they decided to give up their small vessel. Likely a cura, right? Or <gasps> is this all now we're going on about yeah. those little balls? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think I got it wrong with little balls. They call it. A, well, you, you, you weren't far wrong. You weren't yeah. far wrong. It's all right. It says, so they decided they decided to give up their vessel, likely a cura or coracle, right, yeah. to the wind and sea, letting these elements in which they saw the working of God's will yeah, decide yeah. their destination. Wow, that's some balls. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's absolute faith, and that's, yeah. that's actually quite admirable in a way, the level of faith that yeah, you've got yeah. there to actually just say, like, God, you will take, take me to where you think I should go, oh, and you just get will. in this little thing, you know what I mean? It's Jesus. just like, whoa. So is this a, an isolated case of madness or eccentricity? Well, strange as it might seem, the three belong to a long line of Irish holy men who, in the early Middle Ages, climbed into boats, raised the sail, and travelled wherever God would take them. So the three started the journey at the end of the 9th century and with great good luck survived. And they landed in Cornwall. <laughs> but the tradition of Irish monks and or ascetics in boats can be traced back to some of our earliest Irish records of the 7th century. Right? So how on earth did the Irish settle on such a strange form of worship? Which is kind of what it was. Yeah. You know? And the answer has two parts. One native, the other foreign. The foreign stimulus is perhaps the most curious. The Irish were converted to Christianity in the 5th century. 
and from almost the very beginning, the Christian Irish had a reputation as great readers. And they read, of course, the Bible, but also the church fathers, men like Augustine and Jerome, sense lives and other works of Christian piety, right? So it's, it's not just the Bible, it's all the other writings yeah. of, of the religion at the time, you know? And in this impressive library, some of the material that excited them most was the writings of the Desert Fathers. And the Desert Fathers were those men and women who in the 4th and 5th centuries had wandered off to live lives of devotion to God in the deserts of North Africa. Sort of religious hermits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And their writing described the day-to-day -day problems of hermits living in isolation. And what excited the Irish most about the Desert Fathers was the idea of a desert. A place where the holy man could go to escape all interference from the outside world. And there was, though, a big problem. Ireland had no deserts. <laughs> <laughs> so the early Irish found two solutions. The first was to convert some of their bog land into improvised deserts. Wow. Right? And so to this day, there were many Irish place names containing the uh, element desert making the point that Irish hermits lived from there hundreds of years ago. God. So they allocated them as deserts, so yeah. they're a wild, lonely place, you yeah. know, where over the years and they call it desert because they could wow. go there then and, you know, ponder their lives sort of thing. Yeah. And the other, and a brilliant piece of lateral thinking, was to turn towards the greatest desert of all, the Atlantic Ocean, or an island in that ocean where the ho Irish holy men could pray in peace. So strong was the concept in Irish literature that we read routinely that this saint or that went to find a desert in the ocean. Wow, that's crazy. I, I, I think it is, isn't it? It reminds me a little bit though of High Brazil, you know, the yeah, idea yeah. like a holy man in, in an island, maybe that's like the, the peak of yeah. what they wanted to have, you know. So the Irish who hit on this idea of turning the desert into an ocean may have been influenced by a native Irish tradition that predated Christianity. In Irish law, there was a punishment involving a boat in the sea. A criminal was tied to a boat, dragged out to sea, and some text say to the ninth wave, so that's the distance to drag him out, yeah. and then left to drift where the winds would take him. And bearing this na native tradition in mind, it is, it is interesting that the holy men who left Ireland also gave themselves up to the wind. The possibilities of the native tradition influencing the Christian one is strong. So an Irish legend about St. Patrick may mark the point where the homegrown Irish tradition and the Christian idea of death of the desert collided. So in the legend, Macquill, a criminal, goes to St. Patrick and confesses his evil deeds. St. Patrick is appalled by the gravity of the man's sins and condemns him to the following half course. I cannot judge, but God will judge. Go away to the sea without your weapons and leave Ireland quickly, taking nothing with you but some more, some poor little garment to cover your body with, and tasting nothing and eating nothing of the produce of this land. Then when you get to sea, shackle your feet together with iron fetters and hurl the key into the sea. And after put yourself into a boat made of skins without rudder or oar, you go wherever the wind and sea takes you, and to whatever land God chooses. God, so even if you get to land you've got like leg bracelets on the Yeah, well hopefully then you see it might be the case that if he's destined to land 
on a place where there's people who are going to forgive him and help him, yeah. that's it. But if not, the chances are actually just going to drown or something like that. The idea of just being in a little boat all, all in the night and being thrown around, oh shackled in, sort Proper of. thirsty and that. No cabin yeah. boy. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick is providing penance for a man here that has committed a lifetime of sins. And most of the Irish holy men who got into small coracles in the Middle Ages were not doing so for penance. Rather, they were in search of a desert where they could pray to God in peace, be it the ocean itself or one of its numerous islands. And the most famous example is St. Brendan of Clonfert, who used to go off in his boat for 40 days at a time. Christ went into the wilderness for 40 days and then came back to his brothers smelling of the perfume of paradise. Now I'm a little bit. Um, well, that sounds like shit and paste, does that? <laughs> well, I, I think to me it sounds like if, he, if he's you can't time yourself to go for forty days exactly in a boat when yeah. you're just floating away where randomly, right? And if he's coming back smelling nice, I think he's been with somebody. Yeah, that brothel, I mean, yeah. I mean, full forty day stint. Like yeah. Jesus, I can't, can't handle it anymore. I'm going back, <laughs> smelling all lovely. Yeah. <laughs> So St. Brendan's lives are extremely difficult sources, often taken as evidence that the Irish had reached North America, as you mentioned mm. before, right? They describe quite credible events in incredible ways. There is, for example, a description of the gates of hell that bears an uncanny resemblance to an Icelandic volcano, a crystal tower, an iceberg, wow, yeah. and a whale who allows Brendan's monks to eat it on its back. So, which is almost like the Kraken there, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. You know? The most straightforward account is found in the life of St. Columba by Adam now. There we read that an Irish monk, Cormac, went three times in search of a desert in the ocean. And the first of these missions was a failure because Cormac brought with him a man who had broken the monastic rule. So on the second he landed in the Orkneys, which were pagan at the time, and Admonan implied that Cormac was lucky to escape with his life. You know, so he's in there to rocking up, trying to convert everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, it turned a bit nasty. Kicks off. Oh, However, on the third occasion, we read rare details of just how terrifying one of these voyages, all in an Irish curra of animal skins, must have been. Cormac's ship was blown by the south wind, went with full sails in a straight course from land towards the region of the northern sky for 14 summer days and nights and this voyage passed far beyond the range of human exploration and was one from which there appeared to be no return. So 14 full days wind would have taken St. Cormac close to Greenland. Wow. He allegedly only got back to Ireland thanks to the intervention of St. Columba who prayed for his safe return. And others were not so lucky. They followed the whale paths into the deepest Atlantic and were lost at sea or blown to the strangest places never to return. The custom was responsible, as we have already seen, for a landfall in Cornwall, and other Irishmen may have made their way to northern Spain. And one 9th century text described Irish holy men who had been washed up on Iceland. And it was an extraordinary kamikaze form of exploration, but one that historians cannot afford to ignore. Wow, I were right, man. I were right for once. Yeah, <laughs> for once. <laughs> Yeah, but it is, it's mad, isn't it, oh, that God. idea of you know, going and doing that. 
so weirdly, not even brave, he's kamikaze, isn't it, literally? Yeah, but God. I suppose it's like a test of faith, it's that sort of thing where, you know, you, you really do sort of like believe in God, and God mm -hmm. in those, those times was a lot more immersive as yeah, far as like yeah. it's like now people are a bit dismissive I mean I know some people are super religious but not like that no. it's the, to the point where we've got like, telly and internet haven't we now we didn't have a hope back then is it like what's around you and the, the idea of God you know? yeah I think so and the think, only book wasn't it yeah that's it just, just from a few few books I suppose and they're absolutely devoted to it and thinking, no, I, I, you know, maybe they weren't worried yeah. maybe they said to, sort of, to show any kind of worry would be a sign of doubt I suppose if, they, if the keen readers and that they read it loads aren't yeah, they you know what I mean it. we might be quite <laughs> nice just get a little boat set yourself off you know what i mean and find a book and just have a good old yeah. read i mean as we can see now i mean like here we are on boats splashing around into the sun, sun beach fun, these stories yeah. making me feel a bit sick we couldn't end up anywhere oh, no this is it it's, it's, it's not right good really is it you know what i mean but it's, it's, it's not for me but I'm, where would we end up we might end up at iceland or greenland or somewhere else oh, ourselves better than bloody france <laughs> 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 no, they don't like me over in France. Oh, I, like <laughs> France. I like France, don't get me wrong, but it's just, just a don't like the French. No, it's just a fisherman that don't like me, no French <laughs> fisherman. We've got history. I'm not gonna go into that. <laughs> Now I'm feeling a bit, a bit queasy. <laughs> seasick. I'm skin getting a bit scared. Yeah, this is this old, good, is it? But you know, all we need to find out is what seasickness is. You know, because I used to suffer when I was younger. I used to spew all over the place. Oh, fucking tell me about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <We're there. laughs> Not for me worst one though. Oh. oh man, we're on this. We're going to Fortune Ventura or something, uh, and we're on this like this boat that we're carrying tarmac. And it were really rough seas. It was like a proper ferry, but there was somehow, you know, like three trucks of tarmac at the back of yeah. it. And the, 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 you kept, because I was spewing all over the boat, man. You know, <laughs> and it's like getting a bit like, you know, you got to keep him in one place, you know, because it's like making other people spew and that. Then catch him and be good, like, you'll be better in, you know, in his room up top. And he's like, you know, um, oh, we've never seen waves like this, and it's going all over it, born and that, with me straight out, window again, bathing everywhere. He was like nearly chucking up, looking at me. That was, I mean, I've never spewed so much in my life. Oh, you were captain, spewing out window, I'm making him. I'm trousers getting hanged out. The boy in the barrel. Oh, I'm making a mess of his boat, mate. You fucking stank, though. But that was that. It was all that movement. I couldn't see it arising. They were like, oh, mate, I were all over. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. But later on, I've been on some really rough boats, and I've been yeah. all right. Well, the thing is, what what is motion sickness, though? Why do we get it? And that's the thing. In the rear, they always say, don't they? So do you in here? Yeah, but the thing is, as well, it's like... Um, what they say, this is Amika Hanks, right, from Mysterious Universe. Yeah. They said, evolution remains one of the greatest mysteries of the natural world. So virtually everything that makes modern humans the way we are today has been governed over the course of millions of years by natural selection. Yeah. Although a number of questions still remain about why we evolved to possess certain traits, whether some of them are actually truly advantageous, you know? What is that? Advantageous, really? It's a benefit. Yeah, it's a benefit, yeah. It's an advantage to right, having it, yeah. you know? So one example involves motion sickness, which some have likened to being an evolutionary anomaly on account of how unlikely it is to provide any advantage whatsoever. 
So what? Why? Why do we have it? Because we've got to travel around. Yeah, but we've only been travelling fast for a few years, haven't we? I think it's one of them that's like it's not a benefit. It's just like his brain can't handle it. We're not used to that kind of motion. Trouble. We've been at sea for quite a long time. Yeah, but not enough to like evolve into somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like riding fucking dinosaurs about. I'll be right, <laughs> right fast than that. You right, know what I mean? Right fast on the dinosaur. <laughs> so yeah. So what might the benefit of becoming ill when subjected to motion actually be? And indeed, this would appear to re uh, to represent a genuine evolutionary mystery in the first degree. So early studies have looked at this, included a 1977 study by Michael Treisman, who sought to understand not only why humans experience this unique form of sickness, but also a number of other species get it as well. <laughs> right. So since the occurrence of vomiting as a response to motion is both widespread and apparently disadvantageous, it presents a problem for evolutionary theory. So to help account for it, he considered whether the onset of nausea in response to movement could arise from the problem that occurred in relation to eye or head movement in relation to other functions of the body occurring during motion. <laughs> Stick a big fat dog in a roundabout. Go <laughs> <laughs> spin it till it spews. <laughs> Imagine it walking up round about like that. Would it mean you that side got tapped on that roundabout by them girls? No, it was you, you I didn't you know, I didn't. Somebody get. else being another man. <laughs> was it was you with me? No, I won't were you? No, I remember you telling me about it. No, no, I won't were you. It sounded really, really bad, did that? As what happened was uh, I'd been with I think it might have been Ben, but it must have been another mate, right? And and they had this little playground near us, but they had this giant iron roundabout. Really rough that, but I just remember it just concrete like you were in a fucking concentration camp or some really remate or sixties shit, wasn't it? And we we'd we'd been sort of trying to impress some girls by sort of pushing them on the roundabout, you know, so we're just kinda of doing a favour, pushing them nice and stuff. There were about ten girls, right? Yeah. And they said, Right, it's our turn to push you. So we got on this roundabout, right, and they just started spinning it. <laughs> and they wouldn't stop, and they all all round it, and it was spinning and spinning, oh, and it was faster and faster and faster and faster, because oh, it was super no. heavy with this roundabout. We were holding on for grim life. Oh, if, we, if we'd come off it, it'd been like one of those YouTube videos where they got <laughs> yeah. a moped on the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and eventually these girls left, and we were so ill. Oh, we man. So, we couldn't get up. We were literally laid on the floor, and we couldn't uh, get up. And we just sort of laid there like we'd been... That, like we'd never walk again. Like all our brains were coming out of one ear or something, you know what I mean? It was the worst. Oh, no. And it lasted for about an hour. Oh, God. It was horrible. Absolutely no, I, hear, I don't horrible. like that roundabout feel anyway. No, I don't. It's just, just wrong, right? So, uh, Treesman hypothesised that motion sickness could result from difficulties which arise in the programming of movements of the eye or head and the relationship between the spatial framework defined by the visual, vestibular, or proprioceptive inputs are repeatedly and unpredictably perturbed. So, this guy. Fucking didn't understand any of that! <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Basically, what he's saying is it's the. We're not used to it. Well, it's saying it's like the eye. You know, yeah. as a, and or head movements when it's in relation to the body, something happening with the body. Yeah, yeah. Right, that's what it doesn't like. So, yeah, for example, just too fucking fast. Stop it. You, you know, yeah, that's you, it. You're yeah. out of control. So, what they're actually talking about is, I think, what they've actually realised that when they're calling about um, perturbations or sort of things which are sort of like um, bothering the body. You know, yeah, yeah. One of them, sort of motion and speed and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But another one is if you've taken something which is toxic 
Alright. And all of a sudden you sort of like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, that's a really good point. It's, it's telling you to spew up poison because it, it's all going funny and that's spinny and exactly weird. exactly it. Wow, eject, eject. That's exactly yeah. what they're saying. It makes you feel all weird and spinny and horrible yeah. because they're saying, oh, there's something not, not wrong with your body. You must have eaten something that's yeah. weird. So it just hits the spew button massively. Oh. And that's what I think it was for. That's really clever then, actually. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So easy, and it's and like the other animals will be doing the sort of same thing. I don't think I don't think dogs. I'm not too sure. Dogs eat anything, just spew mm. up anyway. They'll spew it up and eat it again. Yeah, they're 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 <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we think it could be. Yeah. The reason we get motion sickness is because our bodies are turning around and saying, oh, and our, our system is turning around and saying. No, there's something wrong here, yeah, isn't it? Right? It's all gone spinning yeah. wrong, fucking spew it. So that's it. It isn't anything to do with fast travel or travelling with dinosaurs really quickly. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it's just a byproduct that has the same effect on us. God, that, no, that, that's a really good one, is that? Yeah. I didn't think you were going to get anywhere with that. Well, yeah, good, that's, what it, that's what it turns out. So that's yeah. the reason why we feel like shit on this boat at the moment, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Don't keep reminding me. Fucking hell, your legs are like giant salamis to me now. I'm like... <laughs> Your fingers are like pepperonis. <laughs> <laughs> what about this Venus schnitzel? <laughs> for springtime when we take the road once more For the planting and the purling and the berry fields of blur We'll meet up with our kinfolk from all the world around When the gang of bird folk take the road and yellows on the broom when yellow's on the broom, when yellow's on the broom, and I'll get you on the road again. When yellow's on the broom. Oh, I tell you what, that sun's beating down on us and that. Let's yeah, I've got a bit big. of a blister in there, maybe. Oh. I'm blistering as well, a bit of salt water on the blisters. Oh, it's out baldy head and all of you, isn't it? Not on your chin, though, is it? <laughs> Saying that, my belly's peeking out my t shirt. Look at that line there. Oh, it's all oh. red and sore. Well, that stings a bit, doesn't no, it? No, it doesn't. Ah. Oh, maybe what we need to do, we need to look into pain a little bit. Well, all right, yeah. That's the sort of thing. So, have you ever heard of the shit? I've <laughs> <laughs> heard of a shit, yeah. Sorry. You need one now. This is the Schmidt Sting Pain Index. No. Right. Well, I, I've, Say it I've, again, the shit. The Schmidt Sting Pain Index, right? Schmidt and this is this is the work of Justin O. Schmidt, right? right? And it's uh, basically what it is is um it's a pain scale rating the relative pain caused by different hymeno, hymeno pain caused by different stings, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it comes down to, right? So uh, Justin O. Schmidt was born in 1947. He was an entomologist uh, at the Carl Hayden B. Research Center in Arizona. All right, so literal stings. Literal stings, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Schmidt had published a number of papers on the subject and claims to be stung by the majority of stinging insects. Right, <laughs> just by bad luck, because he'd done it on purpose. <laughs> done it on purpose. Wow. Right. And the thing, this is something about this is from Wikipedia, really. So I didn't go anywhere else for this because yeah. you just don't need to. This is this is this is just what it, where we should be. So his original paper in 1983 was uh, systemizing to compare the different properties of insect venoms. Mm. So and he and he saw what he's, he started doing. He's starting from zero for things that are completely ineffective against humans, progressing through two familiar pains, such as that caused by a common bee or wasp stings. 
and finishing at four for the most painful stings. Right? Hot shit, it's swelling up like a watermelon. <laughs> Weirdly enough, that's the sort of like thing that was interesting about this that this mm. paper is not actually the you know, oh that's done, that feels like sort of zero, that feels like three, that feels yeah. like whatever. Like. It was his way that he wrote these things that I find interesting. So pain level one, right? He considered things like little uh, ordinary wasps or certain ants and things like this, sort of like uh, they, they were the sort of pain yeah. that you were talking about, right? And he described it as um, pain level one as almost pleasant. A lover just bit your earlobe a little too hard. I, I knew he were a kinky fucker at the start of this when he said that he's done it on purpose. And he described the sting of a sweat bee as being light, ephemeral, almost fruity. A tiny spark has singed a single hair on your arm. Oh, you mucky get fruity. <laughs> That's it. So he's got other things like the, uh, the for pain level two, it's things like a yellow jacket, it's the Asiatic honeybee, trap jaw, a, a trap jaw ant, mm. bald-faced hornet, right? And he describes pain level two, right, from a termite raiding ant as being the debilitating pain of a migraine contained in the tip of your finger. Yeah. Yeah. And on the contrary, a yellow jacket sting he described as being hot and smoky, almost irreverent. Imagine W.C. Fields extinguishing a cigar on your tongue. Uh, he's <laughs> proper wronging him, isn't he? They're just all crawling over his cock and that stinging hell out of it. Ooh, right. Smoky. Smoky. <laughs> <laughs> so pain level three, right? There we go. Is, is things like Clug's Velvet Ant, right? So it's not a true ant, apparently. It's a wingless wasp. So the red paper wasp wasp the red-headed paper wasp and um, various things like this sort of thing right and it, apparently they're pretty bad right so he talks about the giant bullet ant right so there's a lot of them actually paying level three of the giant ants right yeah. but um so he says so after eight unrelenting hours of drilling into that ingrown toenail you find the drill wedged into your toe that's the oh. level of pain from a bullet ant oh my god and at the start of last year, was it? No, it might be a bit before that, actually. I, I was drilling up in my loft, yeah. putting some balls down. I actually put the power drill through my thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, that uh, smarts. Uh, it really does smart, right? right? So we get to pain level four. Um, on the Because the, the, the one on the pain level three back there was the giant bull ants. Sorry, yeah, that's what that yeah. was, right? But pain level four is the highest level in the Schmidt Sting pain index. And Schmidt's original <laughs> index rated only one example. Wow. The sting of the bullet ant has been four. So yeah, that was a giant bull ant before, yeah. but this is now the bullet ant. And Schmidt has described the sting as pure, intense, brilliant pain. Like walking over flaming charcoal with a three-inch nail embedded in your heel. Ugh. <sighs> <laughs> I'm getting really hungry. <laughs> but Schmidt later gave the stink of the tarantula hawk. So I don't know what a tarantula I hawk do. is. It sounds terrifying when I'm flying at you. Fucking tarantula hawk, what's that? <laughs> I need to find out what a tarantula hawk is. <laughs> Pretty. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
So the tarantula hawk is a spider wasp that preys on tarantulas. And tarantula hawks belong uh, to any of the main species of the general pepsis or hemipepsis. And they're one of the largest parasitoid wasps using their sting to paralyze their prey before dragging it to a brood nest as living food. Oh, God, that is so horrible. And a single egg is laid on the prey, hatching to a larva which eats the still living prey. Absolutely horrible. It's the worst, isn't it? Parasites are gross. So not only is this thing sort of like doing that to sort of tarantulas and whatnot, right? and this is what it feels like to be stung by one of these <laughs> things, right? It's as Schmidt says, it's um, blinding, fierce, and shockingly electric. Wow. Right? And although the duration of a painful sting is short-lived, lasting only approximately five minutes, Right, so that's that's a, a bonus. Yeah. It's not like eight hours yeah, from the bullet yeah. end, right? But Schmidt has also rated the sting of the warrior wasp as a thought, describing it as torture. You are chained to the flow of an active volcano. Why did I start this list? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Even he and didn't he like it. He says the pain lasts up to two hours. Of pain like that. Oh man! Have you have you have you gone through? I've had a situation. I've felt pain one time. Knocked me tooth up. Uh, I couldn't get into any dentist anywhere. And there was one just up the road, and it was like a you know like a specialised one that does more whitening and you know does like oh, really yeah, cosmetic yeah. type of stuff. And it cost me a pissing fortune. And <laughs> uh, if I were in that much pain, I'm just like, please, please get it out because you're like cracked. So we decided she won't gonna pull the tooth for some bizarre reason. She was gonna take the what those like the root kind of um, it's like like root things in your teeth like the the what's oh, yeah, like the nerves sort of yeah the nerves yeah. you know she was gonna pull the nerves out you know what I mean <laughs> she didn't give me any in, in a, you know anaesthetics I didn't know you know I'm just trusting this woman you know what I mean because um, used to go it was like a, like a week long thing I had to be on antibiotics because you're all infected and she keeps like. Unplugging this cotton thing that she had stuck with me. Oh, smell it, smell it. You know, I'm like, I don't want to oh, fucking smell it, man. You know what I mean? Where's the back, back street surgeon? Honestly, she were evil, you know what I mean? Because that's the routine she used to try and make me smell this. I'm like, I don't want to smell it, you know what I mean? And then it was the day that she was tying these strings around my nerves and pulling them out of my head, man. What? And I know, Matt. I, swear, I had my eyes open, and I mean, I cannot. I was swearing. I was, the way I was clutching to the chair, so I didn't, you know, push her or beat her or slap her off me. I had to grip the chair like shit, and she was pulling it. I had my eyes open. All I could see were white. What? <laughs> it was that painful, Matt. All I could see were white. Oh, it fucking me died. <laughs> I swear God, that's how last how bad I was. I was ranting about this woman for years, you know what I mean? That's traumatic. Oh, man, I couldn't... Oh, she, she like she was getting pleasure out of it or something. What awful. Why did she just give you some anaesthetic? I don't know. And I, I was that, like, punch drunk. I didn't even think, you know what I mean? I thought, I didn't think. I would just took it. God, it was oh awful, man. It was God. white. I, I had my eyes open. It was white, man. It was fucking awful. Oh, that's the worst. That. Smell that... it. Smell it. Oh, no. Whiteness. <laughs> it's like a green feet. I'm getting tortured. Oh, my God. That's absolutely abysmal. Mm, it was bad, I don't, I don't know if I've, I've had anything of that sort of level of pain. I think the nearest to it was I had an absolutely awful incident where with a rolled up <laughs> piece of paper... <laughs> And what happened with this roll of piece of paper was I was in a car and this guy said to us, like, oh, you, you get in front of this guy, hold that paper, right? And all that stuff. I've been doing really well with this, this guy. It was, it was like a rep situation. Yeah. And I, I feel sick thinking about it, actually. <laughs> so getting out of the car, 
something happened where the paper got knocked, right? This rolled up yeah. tube of paper. And it, and it was turning like this, right? It sort of twisted. Yeah. Like under my eyelid. <gasps> and, <laughs> and cut something behind my eyeball. Oh, Jesus. Right. And suddenly I'm trying to open my eye and the oh. eye was in free fall. It was just spinning sort of thing. Oh, it wasn't shit. coming out, it was just moving. It, w it couldn't oh. hold together oh. to look at it. Oh, it couldn't reset and get back in position. No, the pain was insane. It was insane. Oh. And my eyes just going all over the shop. Oh. And that was the pain that I just, just couldn't get past everything. Oh. That was it. And, it. and I had to go get it checked out um, for a good while. It checked oh. out and then it got sorted. I don't know what had happened, but he somehow sort of managed to start behaving again. Yeah, yeah. But it were never fully right for about two years. It was so oh, right. They were, they were oh, appalling. Did you get a cut on it? Cause they're bad. Have you ever had one of them? No, I did not cut, cut on my eyeball. A bit of metal fluid. You know, sawing oh. some cable and a bit of metal fluid. And I thought it was still in it. Wasn't oh. It was a scab. And every time I blinked, <laughs> it knocked scab off my eyeball, man. It was really bad. Fucking <laughs> scab on your eyeball. <laughs> You couldn't see it, it was like a nasty black scabber or it was just like there. Just like, oh mate, you just, you just like just held me eyes shut oh, for fucking God, days. That's absolutely appalling. <laughs> <laughs> what about? This feels a bit funny on bow. Oh hello. All that gassy. Oh, we're only at Cracking Cove, aren't we? We're all the way round and oh, round again. Oh, do you think that was God? Oh, no. It wasn't God, right? it's, just, it's just the currents, that's what the currents do. Exactly, it's always the same round here. They always go round and I always round. think that I chuck my beer bottles out, they always come back. You've been chucking your beer bottles in. <laughs> How do you think I get rid of bottles? <laughs> they always come back, Matt, that's why that, that, that oh. massive pile is over there. Oh, God, look at that. I'll have to get that sorted. I'll out. get pizza recycling, we'll, oh. we'll give him another five or something. <laughs> Bought now, and that's a well, good that's thing. Nice, I mean, yeah. That's nice, but nice little voyage. Is, the good thing about it is, I'm afraid it's that time. Oh, not that time already. It is that time already, our kids, <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, we always got room for one more, haven't Ooh, we? Oh, yeah, a little cheeky. So we've left the sea now and all that sort of stuff. We're no more worried about pain and all that. Yeah, thank goodness. Let's see if we can see something which is truly weird, right? Mm. Now, this is a personal account from somebody on uh, Facebook, is this, right? Yeah. Called James, yeah. and his personal account goes as follows and it's a weird sighting he's had right and it says okay here's my sighting to the best of my knowledge this happened around seven to ten years ago at nine or ten a.m between Perland and angleton in texas i was driving south on highway 288 and i was just entering an undeveloped area of 288 south of Perland when i thought i had seen lightning out of the corner of my eye the sky was clear with no clouds. I look over where I thought I'd seen the lightning and I see what I thought is a large white bird flying low to the ground at about a 30 degree angle from me. 
It was about a football field's length from me and slowly getting closer as it flew on its path. So it's, it's sort of flying at a little angle that's bringing yeah. him closer and closer to him. This creature was brilliant white, so white that it almost seemed to make its own light. At this point, I still thought it was a large white bird, like the kind you see hanging out with cattle. So, which I'd imagine is like a big heron or an egret kind of thing, you know. Hanging I mean? out? Yeah, well, they do, well, they do, because they hang out with cattle because they sort of pick bugs off cattle and stuff uh, like that. Yeah. But they're also gross as they are, like to sort of pick the shit and stuff. Yeah, that sort of thing, you know. So, it was going in the same direction as I was driving, so it slowly got closer and closer as I drove on. Eventually, it was right in front of my car's bumper. All I could see from this angle was a white greyish thing going up and down from my bumper. I had to slow my speed some so I wouldn't hit it. The speed limit of the road was about 65 miles an hour, right? And he believes he was going at 45 to 55 miles an hour and this thing's keeping pace. And he says, I was worried another car would hit me because of my lower speed. And it flew like this for a few minutes and the only thing I could see was something going up and down right in front of my bumper. And eventually the road curved to the right and it was on, now on the left hand side of my car where the headlight is. The creature slowly lifted up as it flew so now it was right in my direct eye line. Things that were going on through my head are, where are the wings? Are they flapping so fast that I can't see them? Do any of the cars passing me in the fast lane see this thing? What if I honk at it, will it stop and hit my windshield? So the road curved a little again, but instead of the creature staying in place, it continued to fly in the same south direction, but it started flying at a 45 degree angle. I could now see its whole body. Its body undulated as it flew. This is the best way that I can describe it, in a similar motion that dolphins use as they jump in and out of water. Yeah. Basically a continuous S-curve, you know, yeah, sort of like yeah. that kind of like a ripple. And the colour of it now was a dull, dull bluish grey, nothing like the d brilliant white it was when it was further away. Its size was about three foot long and one foot, one and a half feet in diameter. Ugh. It didn't have any visible head, tail, wings or legs. The skin resembled a blown up balloon or like the skin of a grub worm, greyish, inflated looking and waxy or rubbery looking. <laughs> the thing it resembled most was a grub worm. So I'm staring at it while I'm driving for quite a while, still trying to figure out what kind of bird it is. And I decided to bob my head up and down so I can get a better view of it. Is it undulated? Yeah. Which I think is a really clever move. He's, yeah, sort of, keep he's keeping it. his head with it, yeah. And when I did, I could see that it had six black lines on it. And these lines were in pairs in the front, middle and back, about four inches apart. And I kept doing my bobbing head up and down thing to get a better view of this creature when I suddenly felt its thought in my head. Oh, no. <laughs> in more of a just single expression of, you shouldn't be seeing me. I sat back in my seat and was convincing myself that what I heard in my head was my own thought. And at this point, I started getting a little scared and it started flying in the same position higher and higher until it was gone. I looked in all my mirrors and out the car window, but I couldn't see it anymore. And the whole experience was about 30 minutes this Jesus. went on for. And I knew this because I'd just passed Angleton, which takes about 30 minutes from Perland. I've never seen it again. And seeing this messed me up in the head for a while because I was convinced it was some type of bird 
But that was imagining all of the weird stuff that I saw. Uh, what about that? High weirdness or what? That is really weird. Can I, I can't get away from like some UFO drone or some like you know, like, it sounds so alien, doesn't it? It does, than, yeah. You know that thought thing going into is you should not be seeing. It could go back to another thought though as well, which is like something which is masked, as in so it's, you're looking yeah. at it and you think he's they think oh it's lightning, oh it's a bird. He's trying to imagine what he might be seeing it. But yeah, you know the only yeah. thing when he eventually uses his cold hard logic, he sees through what it's pretending yeah. to be. But yeah, it's the, the thing that gets me is those little black lines of detail. Is yeah. honest, you know, I find that very weird. Really bizarre. It's just stuff out there all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think I'm going to try and do this a little bit more now. I'm going to try and find a few um, sort of personal accounts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a good one lined up for next week. Actually. Oh, it's going to be interesting. A personal account. Finger on the pulse, though, isn't it? If you look at it, you know yeah. what I mean? There's, there's a big one's kind of. Sometimes they'll slip through the neck because it's just someone's personal when they're alone story, innit? Yeah, but that's, that's how do you make something like that? Oh, you know, you know. No, you, they see, and, that, and that particular thing as well, some weird flying worm thing. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. If you're going to make it up, he could have made up a thunderbird or he could have seen a big foot, he could have seen yeah, all sorts exactly. of stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. But no, he's, made, he's seen this weird yeah. thing. And I believe him, I believe he's seen it. I something. do, just with the oddness of it. Yeah. Just, it's a real hard one to make up. There's no reason for that, is there? High strangeness. God. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. But now you see, you've been hungry. Boy, and I don't oh, want to risk getting eaten by you or anything like that. I'm gonna have to get a big a full packet of sausages on for you. Yeah, yeah, that. That and some fish, throw a couple of fish fingers in as oh, well. I can have starved. Fish fingers, sarnies. Oh, just do that. And sausages. Taste of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. I don't want any sausages. They might start flying around and yeah. say, You shouldn't see me. <laughs> yeah, fly right up you. So. Oh, no. <laughs> so, all that's left for me to say is a big bye bye from Matt. Well, it's a bigger bye bye from Benny. Take care, guys. guys. There are three ways you may contact Kraken Cove. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com On Twitter at Cove, Or Instagram at Pod. Ha ha!